Hello and welcome to Allies of Convenience, the international Warhammer 40,000 competitive podcast. My name's Alex Ray, your host, and welcome. It's been a very busy couple of weeks. We've had the Easter break. We've had a couple of events going on. We've had a number of releases, loads of exciting stuff. I've been working tons, so we haven't been able to stick to our regular release schedule. But do not worry, we are back. We are kicking off with this, a very special one-off episode. We have collaborated with Torrent of Fire, which is the leading website for aggregating tournament results in the Warhammer 40,000 world. We've reached out to Chip, and he has helped us put this together. Um, Nick Nanavati, the three-time, three-time, three-time Adepticon champion. Um, We've got an exclusive interview with him. You may have caught some of the written version of this uh, up on the website. Our very own Matt Robertson recorded this very recently. Um, It's a 40-minute interview where they go through the whole of the Adepticon experience. Um, You'll go through uh, Nick's list some of his matchups, some of the tournament meta, some of his experiences at the at the tournament, and a bit of the history as well, because obviously he's a three-time champion. That cannot be overlooked. If you're new to the podcast and you've been directed here by Torrent of Fire, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. There's lots of back episodes for you to catch up on as well, if you like what you hear. If you're an old-time listener, then do not worry. We are back recording, and we will have a brand-new full-length bumper bonus episode coming to you really soon. We're going to be going through the Corn Demon Kin. We're going to be looking at that Adeptus Mechanicus Skitari release, which came out of nowhere and we're all super excited about. We're also going to be looking at the Six Nations European tournament that happened very recently. Now, we can't go into too much depth about that because it's ETC season, uh, but we will give you a brief overview of what happened there. I can tell you that Team Wales swept the event and took the title, so the guys are going to be very happy about that. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook right now. It's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast, or just search for the Allies of Convenience. If you've got any questions, if you've got any feedback about the podcast, feel free uh, to leave a comment on the wall. If there's anything that you want to ask us, feel free, leave a question and we'll try and address that on the podcast. And if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, any subjects, any special features you want us to do on the podcast that will help you improve and elevate your competitive 40k game, then do that. We're more than happy to help. We're right about now, let's hand it over to Matt and get into this interview. Hi all, Matt Robertson here again, joined by Adepticon champion for the third year in a row, Nick Brown Nanavati. Hi. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. You recovered from your celebrations yet? Yeah, that was that was a night. <laughs> I don't remember much of it. <laughs> cool. So, third year in a row uh, with demons all three times, was it? No, the first year I was uh, Green Knight Necrons, Paladin. Uh, so you went from Grey Knight Paladins to your Flying Circus last year, and then what list were you using this year? This was uh, Plague Drones and Screamlord, same one I took to LVL pretty much, one minor tweak. Cool, do you want to just run through that again for anyone who doesn't remember? 
Yeah, sure. So there's uh, Fate Weaver, two Nurgle Heralds. Uh, they're level two. They both have greater rewards. One of them has the Feel My Pain Locus. Uh, there's two Heralds of Zinch, uh, both level three on discs. They both have Exalted Rewards. Um, then there's a unit of 11 horrors, a unit of 10 horrors, two units of eight Screamers, and then a unit of eight Drones with Venom Sting, and the champion has a greater reward. Because cool. I know going into the event, you took a Drop Pod Marine Army with you. And then switched last minute. Yeah. So the past like three or four months, I've been trying to figure out what to play. But that's a kind of crazy format of like all mystery. And I've heard rumors that the missions were going to change last minute. All this, I don't know how true they were, but that's what I heard. So I was like, I'll bring two armies and decide when to the missions. But when I got there, the, they didn't show us the missions until after we turned in our army list. So that was that pulling up the window. So then I just said, screw it, and I went with demons, and it worked out pretty well. So you turned up to the event expecting the missions to be pure maelstrom uh i didn't know they would be pure maelstrom because that's the missions they posted online there's pure maelstrom but i knew i'd been told that they were going to switch it up on this last minute as a surprise so now adepticon has a history of not releasing missions until the day don't they right exactly mm-hmm. yep. so what made you thinking that they're probably going to be pure maelstrom but with a change what made you pick that demon list over like the drop of marines which may have been better um, than maelstrom Partly because I've had like two games in my life with Drop Pod Marines and I really know Demons. Also because Fate Weaver was calling me. He told me to play him, so I listened. So, just going with your gut instinct on what you know, really. Pretty much, yeah. And Fate Weaver. <laughs> Would you advise people who are going into events then, rather than tailing completely for the mission and using an army they don't know, to stick with what they know and maybe make some Absolutely. more tweaks? Yeah. yeah, small tweaks are fun. I actually did make a small tweak for this event. I used to have an Inquisitor with Skulls, but it was just worse in this format, so I took it out and replaced them with the Portal Glyph. But absolutely stick to what you know. Um, I was keeping like a mental track in my head for the first day about how I would have done if I brought pot. I wouldn't have made it past round two. So definitely stick to what you know. So going into the missions then, or just before we do actually, sure. uh, am I right in saying that Adepticon was allowing all Lords of War and... Basically, as many detachments as you want. But you as many detachments bound. as you want, but you can only take each detachment twice. So it's slightly different than unlimited detachments. Um, each detachment, this was it, or each detachment once, once, once did you yeah. say then, sorry. One once. time. Um, and uh, as far as Lords of War goes, uh, you could take whatever you wanted, unless up to like one third of your total point value. So if you were playing 1850 points, it was like 618 points or something could be Lords of War. Cool. So I'm guessing that allowed scarier things that we're not seeing over here in the UK, where it's normally 400. Right. Yep. Did they have a ban list like LVO did? No, they had no ban scarier lists. ones? Was, uh, something. No ban lists. Were, so this is just, yeah. everything goes to those points. There were cool. all kinds of things. Ouch. So did you see any interesting armies that were abusing that? Or? Um, the I saw a few. My friend played a summoning Typhon-based army with Chaos Marines. But uh, the only one that was abusive that I played was uh, it was Adlance, the three Imperial Knights, and then Alex. There's some Jedi's doing That does sound pretty scary. Yeah, that was uh, that was round one of day two, and I was really worried that we were going to get the kill point mission in the head, and I was going to get it. <laughs> but luckily, we're going to that. Uh... We played a Maelstrom mission. I actually ended up tabling him, so it was okay. Ah, sweet. Yeah, so we'll go into the details yeah. of that in a little bit. Uh, 
So, mission-wise then, as you found out on the day, do you want to give everyone a quick run-through of what kind of thing yeah, they were? Yeah, so... The, Just a very brief overview. Yeah. Uh, each mission was had a different deployment, obviously. Family, Anvil, Vanguard, Strike, and uh, Dawn of War. And then every mission... It was just victory point based, how many victory points you get throughout the game. Um, there was a kill point mission, there was uh, an objective mission, there were two different maelstrom missions that you generate cards differently. Um, it, it's just pure kill points, just pure maelstrom, just objectives, they never mix the two. Um, and then you just, there were four missions, and then you just repeated them in the second day. Cool. One of the things I heard uh, was, was there a mission where if you had units in your opponent's deployment yeah, zone so you that, got extra points or that something was the, that was the fourth mission of the day uh that was it was the objective based mission and as a secondary way of getting points you get two you get three victory points for every objective hold you hold if i recall at the end of the game and then you get two points for every scoring unit completely within your enemy's deployment zone which is really easy because it was vanguard so it was really easy to get points yes. up that way so I'm guessing that gave quite a big advantage to anyone with summoning, or that can just make lots of little units. Yeah, that may have contributed to my winning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what did you think of the missions as a whole? Because I know they honestly in the past that, that, had I mean, a bit I've, of flack. I've, had a, I've definitely played better 40k missions. Probably, if I had to choose my favourite, I'd be ATC. But uh, they were not as bad as they sound, or as people have been about to be. They were actually fairly balanced. And I only got screwed out on Maelstrom once. The whole weekend, and I was doing the team tournament using the same deck of cards and the same way to generate points. Uh, it was really just not a bad system, I guess. Cool. And then terrain-wise, I know a lot of the guys on the East Coast who we've had on the podcast a few times like the Nova-style terrain with the two big <laughs> loss blockers and then a couple of smaller ones. Yeah. Was Adepticon kind of similar standard? Not or at all. Adepticon had mostly area terrain, a little bit of ruins. Everything was pretty much see-through, very little on a safe blocking, maybe, maybe a couple of Infantry models could hide. That's about all. It was very light on terrain. Is that a historic or is well, that just they a had, They had really the good terrain if you were playing 5th edition, and I just don't think they've ever updated it since then. Yeah, I suppose when you've got an event that size, though, it is quite a lot of yeah, time you, and effort to make and store two, all that terrain. Tables worth of terrain, yeah. Cool. Cool. So, going on to day one. Uh, <laughs> You're just going through the mission and army of what you were playing? Sure. So the first yeah. mission I was playing uh, against my teammate, actually, for the team tournament, Adepticon, Phil Doobie. He was running a, I don't even know, a pod movie. He was thinking Space Marines, Blood Angels, a Colexus Assassins. Maybe there was Inquisition, I don't even know. There were Grab Bikers, too, running around. It was a, it was a force. Was just, Everything from... Yeah. Um... Usually I kind of steamroll that type of army with my list because they just can't hurt me at all and I can just run right through them. The Colexus could have thrown a wrench into my plans because he just shuts down my army for a turn or two. Um, and it was Maelstroms, which made it hard because his entire army was mobile and obsec. But um, I null deployed him basically by just putting out the drones and reserving everything else. And I nullified his office strike. He put the Colexus down turn one, which we agreed was a mistake after the game because then I got to just come on with my screws and kill him with sweep attacks. Uh, then I just, I went from there, systematically killing all of his army, uh, trying to keep up on Maelstrom while his pods came down to score points. Towards the end of the game, I started to catch back up and really steamroll him. 
Um, but I only scored 21 out of 30 points that game because he did manage to get a lot of points in the beginning, and I couldn't do anything about it. Ah, so it wasn't a straight win loss then? It was just yeah, that's only about points. Yeah, so. points. You get 30 points and zero to 30 points in the round, and that's it. Ah, cool. So you've got out of the 256, you needed to grab every point you could to get through yeah, to the second day. Then. Exactly. I was actually really worried about only scoring 21 my first game because after talking to everybody, everyone I knew pretty much scored there. Cool. So uh, going on to game two. Yeah. So game two. Uh, game two is against this this guy. I don't know where he's from. I don't remember. But he was playing five flying tyrants and eight into five gene stealers. Um, so it was the kill point mission. It was Vanguard. Basically, I did the same thing. I, I uh, put everything vulnerable, like Fate Weaver and the Screamers, out of flying tyrant range in the very corner of the board. Then I put the drones into a ruin up forward more. I need to cover so the flyers just bounced off with their shooting. Um, and then I just um, I flew around with my Screamers and Fate Weaver, grimming whoever I needed to at the time, uh, and just destroyed all these gene stealers for eight kill points. So there was a venom trip, so I killed them two for nine. Um, I ended up winning that game 30 0. You couldn't kill with an, just, with an army like that, mm-hmm. do you find obviously you're quite good at killing like gene stealers and gaunts and little things on the ground? Yeah. But how do you find the hive tyrants to deal with? Um, I don't. I've more or less completely ignored them. I did warp storm one flyer with an eleven, so that was good. I rolled like a six and a one, and I did even the one to a five. Uh, that was that was a lot. That was turn one also, so that was a lot less firepower I took throughout the course of the game. Um. Yeah, after that, I never even touched the flower and decided to sleep attack them with screamers. I didn't beat them with Fate Weaver. I just completely ignored them. They flew around. They shot whatever they could. They killed like a squad of horrors throughout the entire game. But using my, my speed with the screamers and the drones' durability, you can really avoid actually getting shot by them most, most of the time. And if they ever land, the drones yeah. just kill them. So you just try and weather the storm and then yeah, you just, you play just the mission around You just take 60 shots wherever you can kill anything else. Yeah. I suppose if you ever fail the grimoire, then you just try and hide the screamers rather yeah, than do I, I like to keep my screamers at arm's length from the flyers at all times, so if I do fail grim, I can go 30-60 the other way, or I can go like behind them or something, just out of their shooting angles. And then even still, I can jink through a 4 up, so it's not horrible. Yeah, it just, it just hurts yeah. if they manage to get to, especially with 5. Yeah, if all 5 get on an own grimoire screamer squad, it's going to die, but you know, it's my job to not let yeah. that happen. Cool. So that's two decent wins going into game three. Were there any big names knocked out at this point? Or? Um, I don't remember. I think uh, I don't think I ran to anyone important was knocked out yet. No. Um, so round three, pretty much most of the big names made it to day four, actually. A lot of them did. Or day two, I should say. Anyway. Yeah. Round three, because uh, Adepticon cut it at top 32 this year, not top 16, so... Most people. Ah, so they opened it out. Yeah, most people made top 32. That's pretty not hard. Yeah. So in round three, I played against uh, another guy. I don't remember his name. But it was uh, Eldar, Serpents, and Tau Formation for the Firebase Cadre. So he had like four, four, maybe five Serpents in the formation. And there were no Wraith Knights. Um, it was Hammer and Anvil, and this mission was also Maelstrom. Um. So I put everything, I put all my Screamers and Fate Weaver on the very back edge of my deployment zone this time. 
So I put the drones up on the road again, right those drones. So turn one, I grimoired up my drones and just ran them forward face first into his army. And because there was nothing to tie me up or anything, I just ran right at him. And uh, then I just started killing him. And uh, eventually, I don't think I tabled him this game, but I did manage to score at 30 because I had total board control for Maelstrom, and I just dominated that. Yeah, I guess with an army like yours, when you get hammer and anvil, they can't really escape around the sides, yeah. and you can just run up in the middle and pen them into a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you not find the uh, firepower from that army can hurt? Oh, or do you find the two main play, units? It could definitely destroy me if I let it, but uh, with, with Cursed Earth and Grim, the drones have two up intervals. With Endurance, they have four up my pain. Like, no one's touching the drones. He shot the whole army into them, and just like, uh, one guy died. So do you find with that then you can't really risk having the drones without the grimoire to put it on the screen? No, I can, I can definitely put it on the screen, as I did later on in the game. But uh, the, the thing you have to do in that game is uh, is only in the beginning turns is only give them one thing that's unkillable to shoot at. So I could be like Screamer Star, or I could be the drones, or I could be Fate Weaver, just whoever's grimoired, only present that as a target. Don't give them the other stuff to actually do damage to you know, I've found in the past when you get like five serpents shooting, even a, a drone star mm-hmm. with just a five up field. Oh, it'll pain, kill it. It'll all kill it. It does it'll, hurt. It'll yeah. But yeah, it, uh, it's just a matter, a matter of making sure they only have one, making sure they shoot what you want them to shoot, not making them shoot what they want to shoot. Yeah, so don't give them the target priority options. Yeah. Like, present them only on target. Don't give them the choice of having targets. So, three big wins going into game four. So, game four, I'm playing Nick Rose. Um, so, this is a big game. Uh, it's it, This is the game where if you, you get units into enemy deployment zone, you get extra points, and we're also playing objectives. And he's got his weird-ass drop pod set on me that no one knows how it works. Um, and then I've, uh, I've got my games. So, I deploy once again with the drones and the ruins and everything else in reserve. It's kind of like a thing. Um, I make him go first. Um, pods come in, they shoot my drones, um, scouts come in, they shoot my drones, more or less nothing happens, um, then all my reserves come in, and I, like, slaughter all the scouts, like, almost all the scouts came in by turn two, and I sweep, between sweep attacks, breaker fires, and warp storm, I killed almost all 30 in one round. Um, from there, we had two scent stars, or two scent units with a bunch of characters attached, so I multi-assaulted them with the Rumoid Screamers. And I just hugged them all, and they were stuck there for the rest of the game. Like we just fought endless combats. I wasn't killing them because they were invisible and for warning and all kinds of things, and they weren't killing me because they're too invulnerable. Uh, and then my play drones just went around and ate the rest of his army. So do you find then you'll normally use one unit to just go right? I'm going to pin something down while this unit clears. Yeah, up, it's definitely a tactic on... I use. I don't do it all the time. I mean, sometimes no reason to. Play tickets. Yeah. Me, but uh, in that instance, like it would take forever for me to kill Sims, and they would just pummel me over and over. So I just decided to not deal with them and tie them up. I know from chatting with you and Nick Rose in the endless chat that he reckons he should have just charged all his scouts after infiltrating into your drones yeah. and just been tied up in your deployment zone all mm-hmm. game. Do you reckon that would have worked for him? It, it may have, but I think I would have prevented that from happening. Had he infiltrated all the scouts, um, I would have charged his scouts outside of my deployment zone, so that combat would have taken place in the middle of the board rather than my deployment zone. 
And the whole purpose yeah. of so him you... going for that is because we get a ton of points for having units in the flame zone. But it wouldn't work because we're not in that flame zone. Yeah, so it could have been a tactic, but there's easier ways for you to play around and avoid yeah, exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, so was that Nick knocked out then? Or uh, he did straight, straight by. I only got 23 points that game, so he got some points there. I believe I was. Uh, I remember. I was third seed going into day two. Alan, I had uh, like 104 out of 120, if I recall. Alan had like 116. Is that Alan Bajamovic? Yeah. yeah. I'll try and say his name, but probably won't be close. Yeah. Uh, so going into day two, then you say you were third seed. Yeah. Was it seeded as in? Uh, no, it's, it's first, first place, place, second, third place, fourth. It's just like. Ah, so it carried on with Swift. Yeah, and the battle points didn't even reset. It was just a continuation of the tournament, minus a bunch of points. Uh -huh. yeah. So it's basically just carrying on, but yeah. only top 32. The rest, the rest are just discounted after that point. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, Were there other events and things on? Oh, yeah, that's fun. That's one of the things they do really well. Because they cut after top 32 or top 16 for champs, uh, on Friday they have like 17 other events you can play in if you want. So if you don't make it, you have something to do. So even though there's only one day of guaranteed gaming, there is no. guaranteed gaming in another exactly. form. Yeah. Cool. So did you, were you feeling nice and refreshed going into the next morning, or um, was everyone a little worse for work? I was actually pretty okay after a day that day. I wasn't bad. I felt pretty good. Yeah, because yeah, one thing I do want to touch on is events like that, because I experienced it at Nova. <laughs> there is, you do get everyone together. Most people stay in the same hotel. Yeah. And yeah. It's like a big party. Yeah, it is, nights. it is. Um, I don't know. I'm in college. It's kind of like a normal night with different people. <laughs> so I'm fairly used to this scene. <laughs> yeah, so so no mental stories from the first night, at least. Anyway. I mean, we were, we were having fun, but nothing crazy. Cool. So the next morning, you're playing uh, fourth place? Yeah, I'm playing fourth place. Uh, it's Adlance and a Lynx with like a bunch of random jet play squads floating around. So this was a really scary army, because there's so much D. D is like the bane of my list, because it can just get lucky and not care about my unkillableness. So that sucks. Um, and all the knights had battle cannons, too. So there were eight large blasts that just used to kill my screamers. So that sucks. Um, basically, I reserved everything but the drums again. And then... It was Dawn of War, and it was Maelstrom. So we both, like, scooted around and got, like, a point here, a point there for the first couple turns. Um, he moved up. I moved up the drones a little bit, and I made it about a, a 9 or 10-inch charge from his first knight. And the other two could not make it. And then he moved up his knight a little bit and then made, like, a 7-inch charge for my drones. So at that point, I rolled my reserves. I got everything I needed in. I grimoired my drones, but I failed. Um, so that sucked. But I decided to stick with my plan just go with it, even with the failed grim. Um... So I ran up, I endurance my drones, that was key. If I failed the endurance, that would have been game over. Um, and then I charge the knight, and I do like three hull points, and he stomps, and he kills three drones. So I'm like getting really worried over here, because I'm in combat, I have no grim, another knight can countercharge me, and he just stomps. So to do to help with the countercharge, I turboosted the squad of screamers without the herald right next to the knight that could countercharge. Um, so if he goes for my drones, the screamers get to charge in. And if he goes for my screamers, my drones are safe, so it's okay. Uh, he went for my screamers, he ties them up. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I lied. He went for my drones. He, went for my drones. Uh, he does some damage, 
Um, but Endurance is godly, and the stomps didn't go too crazy. They just killed one more drone. So that's not so bad. I did a couple more hull points. Um, yeah, then, then my army started working, and I just got a lot of buffs up. I got, like, Warp Speed, Iron Arm, uh, Grimoire, Endurance. The drones just went, like, insane. They killed both knights over the next two turns, and my screamers ran around killing jet bikes and trying to not get lynxed. Uh, the highlight of this game was my one Nurgle hero. I, at this point, he has one knight and the lynx left, and I have most of my army, and I've been racking up maelstroms with the screamers. Uh, there's one Nurgle hero who happened to a warp speed and iron arm as his two powers, and he tried to cast them, and he perils, and... He went Super Saiyan, rolling a 6 on the Parallel Table, so now he has Armor Bane. So he has 6 attack space, 7 on charge, Strength 9 because of his Greater Reward, uh, Master Crafted, and Armor Bane. He charges the Lynx and kills the whole thing in one round. Also, so that's like the ultimate combination for the Herald. Absolutely. That was like, you cannot get better than that. It's amazing. So he just ate the Lynx, and that was that. Then, then he had like one knight left, and I had most of my army, and then I just killed the knight in the game and did the coup too. Do you find that was uh, a look quite a little bit to play in that, or do you find you've got enough dice and enough buffs that eventually you will get them up and do what you need I, to do? I've played Adlands before, and it's the first couple turns are really dicey. If they just roll crazy with stomps, the game's going to go south. But on, on like average stomp rolls, I mean, this guy got pretty lucky against me too. Like despite the fact that I rolled those awesome powers against the Lynx, I did feel Grim turn one or turn two, and then I did uh, he did stomp out three drones in the first round of combat. So it wasn't all easy. Um, usually, Adlands is one of those armies I can just roll over. It's really bloody. Pretty much everything on both sides dies, but I have more other stuff than he does, so I, I come out on top. And then also I have summoning to movement block if I get the opportunity. Yeah, because one of the questions we have had on Facebook is what do you think the best matchup for killing Imperial Knights is? Or do you just ignore them? Which, as you've said, you'll just go for the throat. Yeah, I just I used to try to ignore them. Um, if it's like one night and it's easy to like avoid by summoning things in its face and making it useless, I'll do that. But when it's like Adlance and that's the only thing there is to do is fight the Knights or die... I'll up and fight the knights. Usually I win that fight. The second part of that question was, do you tie them up with summoned playbearers? But I know using demons and knights myself, and you'll probably say the same, mm -hmm. I find demonettes and things like that a lot better. Yes, I used to I used to think playbearers were the answer because I was played to attacks, but they are so slow. And stomps are just horrible, horrible for them. So, and like even like 10 playbearers not charging averages less than one So it's, it's not good. Um, so no, I don't use playbearers too. I use demonettes and seekers mostly. Yeah, because I found with playbearers, you're in one spot. That's where you are. Yeah. The knights, if they want to, I actually can move I around. once summoned a unit of playbearers. This is months and months ago when I first started trying out this list. I summoned a unit of playbearers. A knight charged a combat somewhere else, and because playbearers can't run, they were all in deep strike formation, and they stomped over to my playbearers, rolled a six, and killed all ten playbearers. <laughs> so sometimes just crazy shit just happens yeah. like that. But yeah, like you say, Seekers and Demonettes, I find you, you just run surround the night, you restrict its movement, Absolutely. and it's just going speed bumps every turn. Yep. It doesn't get anywhere. Yep. 
Cool. So that was another nice win for you, pushing you up to the to the top, or were you still just below? The top? Uh, no, no, that was solid. I was uh, I was just below the top because the guy who was second, thirty zero down. So I was me and him were very solidly in the lead by about ten points. He was slightly out of me. So that's going into game five, which is in a way the quarterfinals. Yeah. So game five, I'm playing Doug Johnson. He's a guy from the West Coast. He's got double Sunstar with uh, some priests to like reroll saves, some Dread Knight, some strikes, two cent units. Yeah. All tons of like that. So once again, I only deploy the drones in a ruin. And uh, the scents come up and they shoot my drones and nothing happens. And he goes for an Alpha Strike. Deep Strike is Dread Knight and the Nemesis Strike Force. And he throws grenades into my, into my uh, drones. One of them misses. One of them does a wound, and uh, so that's what happened there to my Herald. He's going for a first blood on a Herald, and it didn't work out for him. Um, then I charged his Dread Knight, and I didn't kill it, despite like 500 AP2 attacks to my drones. Um, and then the Dread Knight got invisible, and my drones sat there for forever until my stuff could come in and I could stop it. But none of my reserves came in until turn four, so that sucked. So his, his Sense Star was just eating my drones, like like pummeling them. I was just trying to keep them alive so I wasn't literally tabled. Um, but then turn four happened. All my reserves come in. I boost all my screamers and fate move over to where it is like shitty units like the scouts, the, the guardsmen, all the, all the easy kill points because it's the kill point mission. I boost everything over there which is miles away from the sun stars. He tries to gate back the protected stuff but I stop gate because I have uh, like 25 dice on the table now. And uh, then he has two very out of position sun stars and then I kill like 17 kill points worth of stuff and all this crap units. And uh, that's how that game went. So that was another 30 0 for me. Is that quite a good matchup then for you? Yeah, Sense Star is Sense Star. They just don't do anything to my list. Yeah. You mentioned as well you had a lot of AP2 attacks. Let me see that's from the New Heralds Herald. and the Champions Greater Gift. Because, uh, because there wasn't much for me to Bale Sword. Sense have two wounds, but there are two of armor series, so it's not. It's much more worth it to take the Greater Woods in that match. Yeah, if it wasn't for the sense, it was just things like three Dread Knights, possibly. Yeah. Do you rate the AP2 or the Bale Sword in that match? If it's just three Dread Knights as the only multi-wound but two Obsade models? Um, yeah, I think like three Dread Knights or three Riptides, the big stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, against Wraith Knights, definitely Bale Swords. Against Riptides, I also say Bale Swords because they can go three up in Against Dread Knights, I'd say that's tough. I don't know. I don't know how to do it against Dread Knights. Um, a lot of it would depend on what my psychic powers are, I guess. Like, if you get Iron on a Bale Sword, it becomes AP2, stuff like that. Yeah, so it all depends on the matchup and powers. Right. Depending on what else is in the list, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Cool. So was that a 30 0 win for you that round? Yeah, it was a 30 0. So now I'm very solidly in first. Um, cool. Yeah. Could you still be caught at this point, or did you need, like, a couple of small wins, maybe? Uh, I could be caught. I could, I, if I. If I lose a game, I could still win if I lose at this point. But um, you need a small loss, though. I, I would need a small loss, yeah. If I get zero, cool. Um, so, so at this point, had quite a few people dropped out, or yeah, was, people were people were dropping after this point. It's like if they felt they couldn't win, they just didn't play anymore. Um, cool. So next round, I played against uh, Justin Curtis in the semifinals. He had a very interesting game list. It had a uh, Fate Weaver, Bellacore, some Screamer Star, uh, 
some horrors. A Mauler fiend. I don't even know if there was anything else. That might just be it. Was the... the void I remember seeing a lot of this on the stream. Was there a rhino with a summoning upgrade? Yeah, there was the rhino with the summoning upgrade. I forgot about that. It was really interesting. So, uh, he summoned a bunch of stuff. And, uh... The Screamer Star. Uh, actually... So, he did this cool trick, which doesn't actually work. It's very interesting. Um, he charged my, my drones... And he popped the Doomstone, which is uh, take a leadership test or lose D6 leadership. And I failed both of my leadership beats. If you reach zero, you die. So my heralds were rolling like leadership three after this point. Then, yeah. then we find out that it doesn't affect demons. So um, that's good. Yeah, because I've seen that used against like screaming stars and stuff in the past. Yeah, but it doesn't. Also against like say councils and beast pack. Yeah. Um, he charges invisible Molophine into my drone star. And tied that up forever because it was invisible to learn more. Never gonna die. Um, but then he also made a mistake here. This one is what we both agree cost him the game. He charged a Screamer Star into my Drone Star to pull that Dreamstone trick off. But because the Molochine was Grimlord invisible, the Screamer Star wasn't. Now the drones only got like two drones in the Screamer Star the way he set up his charge. So he was smart about that. But my other, my Screamer Star got to charge into his. And because they had no buffs, uh, I just put the Grim on them, giving them a 6-up save, and I chose not to catch Kester, and I just munched through all, all of them in one round. So then, his Screamer Star was dead, he was down like 12 dice. The, the game pretty much... He, he made a fight out of it, and he got the score very close, 7-3. Uh, it was Maelstrom, so all the summonings were running on getting Maelstroms, all of my units were running on getting Maelstroms. So as much as I was winning the game, it was really close. And uh, I did this, do this one cool trick. I sunbursted Bellicor. And because Sunburst ignores cover, it's not... Like, Bellicor took three wounds from it. Like, it was not bad against Bellicor. Yeah. yeah, I remember you saying you've used Sunburst a few times in the past. I think it's one of those hidden powers that can be good in certain situations. Yeah, it's, it's just recognizing... A lot of playing demons well is recognizing when you can use your tools. Like, stuff like summoning flamers, casting Sunburst. These are really hidden uses, but when they work, yeah, because I think a lot of people look at it and go, cool, summoning, I can get horrors to summon more things, or demonettes, or yep. screamers, whereas now and again you've got the, the, oh, maybe I need some plague drones just to not die on an objective, right. or... But, no, there's a lot of like cool that. things you can do with it if you can actually explore your options. So did that end up as a bigger win or a small win? That was only a 17 point win, 17 to 3, or 17 to uh, 13. So this, that actually kind of worried me, but I'll get into that later. So in the finals, I'm playing Aaron A. Long. We played a bunch in the past. Uh, we're pretty – I think I have a winning record against them, but it's pretty much below for below, I'd say. He knocked me out of the Nova Invitational a couple of years back uh, in the semifinals. I beat him in the Nova Invitational finals before. Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty even. Um, he's very good. He's running this uh, White Scar, Thunder Wolf, Raven Wing – Bike army of doom. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, this was also if the. You give, huh? I was just gonna say, if you give me a second, I actually have a copy of that list. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe worth going. What, what, just while I'm loading this up, going into this game, I remember watching part of the stream which uh, Chip from Torrent of Fire was doing yeah. via his phone, and you were looking a little bit worse for wear at this point. Yeah, I was. I was pretty drunk at this point. Um, I probably shouldn't have been giving this the finals of Adepticon, but. I was starting to get really loaded by round six against Doug, which was round two of that day. Maybe like 
one o'clock in the afternoon. And now it's like seven or eight o'clock in the afternoon and I'm playing in the finals and I'm just like gone. Like I have like 20 drinks. Like it is bad. <laughs> um, so actually my memory of this game is a little foggy. I don't know. Right. So Aaron's list then was a captain on a bike with a power fist, shield turn, all that, a fighter armor. Uh, I think he's going for that rather than a chapter master because then he's got a command squad with four melter guns, yep. storm shields, apocryphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bike squad to two grav, a scout squad in a heavy flamer and two void shields. Mm-hmm. He's then got the Ravenwing command squad with the usual gear, apocryphy, grenade launcher. He doesn't have the banner, which is odd. I think I always take that personally, but. I think you can live without it. Yeah, well, it doesn't affect white scars. Yeah, then he's got yeah. the Samael, five scouts, just because they need the troop choice in that allied detachment. And then to finish up the list, he adds unit fundal of cavalry, two iron priests, and a wolf guard battle leader. So he's got one big, well, two options for Death Stars, really, with two command squads, both of scout. Uh, actually, no, the white scars one doesn't have scout, does it? So I'm assuming Sammy well, Sam Alger is in there. So everything's got enough. And, uh, yeah, it was the Vanguard mission that was objectives and I get you this and I was going to turn He scans up with everything, takes some shots, more or less does nothing. I grimoire up my drones and I charge them into his command squad. And I kill a few bikers and he fails to hit and run. Um, they're his stuff. Shuffles around, shoots some stuff, charges some things. Fate Weaver came in turn two. I reserved him. Uh, Warp Storm, I rolled a three. Rerolled it with AD's Warlord trait. Rolled the three again. Out of all my six characters in my army, I randomized between them. Randomly hit Fate Weaver. And then rolled a 16 for his demonic instability, and he died. So that was a really shitty way to lose Warlord, and like a very key component of my list. Like, baby has a job. Was that first blood as well? It was not first blood. I got first blood in the combat. I don't know who I killed. I killed somebody. Um, yeah. So that was lucky. Um, but, yeah, fate we were going to go kill those scouts and mess around with the bikes, be a backfield annoying, probably score, be a whole score an objective at the end of the game. So all the bikes would be busy doing other stuff. He was a big, a big guy to lose. And not to mention all the rebels and buffs and gets me. And four more second bikes. Um, the game pretty much devolves from there as far as my memory goes. A lot of just back and forth hitting each other, bikes charging screamers, drills charging bikes, screamers charging bikes, bikes charging screamers. Uh, more or less everything died is how it went down. Um, I did manage to kill everything but a few bikers here and a few bikers there. He killed almost everything in my army. I didn't really summon much in this game, even though I probably should have because I missed those objectives and you get more points for being in the enemy's point zone. I can only really attribute that to just not really thinking clearly. Um, the drones did manage to stand his objective, and I split all my heralds off, so that's three units. I think I got like another unit of screamers or large or something back there also. Uh, I do remember I killed, I, I summoned a squad of ten demonettes who charged into three bikers. Uh, I managed to wipe all three bikers to hold an objective and get him out of his deployment zone, which was a very pivotal point in the game, because that was a, a four-point swing for me. Um, and then I did, the game ended there pretty much, um, I think on turn five actually. And, uh, I won 16 to 4. 16 to 14, I should say. It was very close. 
So, with you being in the lead before then, did that give you a clear victory, or did someone so, manage to catch so up? So, Justin it? Curtis, the guy I beat in the semifinals, he still got 13 points out of our game. He scored a 30 in his final round, so he actually caught back up so well that we tied in battle points. So, every single point mattered. We were 197 to 197. It was ridiculously close. Uh, they gave me the win for the overall tournament because I beat him in the early round, and I was 8-0, and he was 7-1. So I'm guessing those points got recounted and double-checked a couple of yeah, times I'm sure, first. I'm sure they did. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's crazy so, uh, because, like, if you don't draw one Maelstrom in any of your eight games, or if you don't get a first blood off a of fly rate, which happened to me, just something crazy like that happens, uh, you lose or you win. Like, any dice rolls decide battle points on so many occasions. And, like, it's insane that it got that close. Yeah, I think I've said it a few times in the past. When you win a big event like that, you need luck to be on your yeah. side as well as yeah, skill. Yeah, obviously, and like skill and, and all that is a huge factor. But, like, had I rolled, like, slightly worse in one combat, lost one point, I may have still won that game, but I would have lost a battle point, causing me to get 196. And then I'm sure Justin can say the same thing. He's probably had the same experience in yeah. eight games. I know a 240 point format, there's a lot of point variation for ways you can drop or gain points. Dice rolls. Yeah, for two players yeah. to both be at that point of the event yeah. so high up to get the yeah. same. It's, it's crazy. It's, that was a Depticon. Well, congratulations again. Uh, did, was the good prizes for that, winning that? Yeah, or? so I won a very beautiful custom painted and magnetized Imperial Knight. I don't know how much it's worth, but it is, it's gorgeous. Um, I won two more knights. In addition to that custom night, which basically I have an advance now. Um, and then on after day one, I was awarded best heretical player for being the best bad guy. So for that, they gave me a, a box of sense on the plaque. So that happened. And then also in the team tournament, my team won uh, best technicians, which is probably the best general. Um, for that, we won another scent unit in Tiggy. So I have two boxes of sense and a librarian. So I literally have a sense star and an advance after I'm going to so next event, expect sense star. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. So just briefly uh, to touch on the teams, because I know that's a huge event, probably one of the biggest over right. there. It was the biggest event in the world, I believe. It was 480 people. How many 480 people? 480. 480. 480. So that's t all teams of four, yeah, right? Yeah, it's 120 teams of four. Uh, is that a... I'm assuming that's two days. Yeah, it's two, it's two days, uh, five rounds. But I'll put... Battle points again, yep, was all it? Battle points. And uh, unlike most tournaments in the there's every aspect of 40k. The fluff, uh, random fluff knowledge, painting, theme, how fluffy, display board. Like that's there's a whole category for that. Uh, team spirit, if you like, if you care about your team spirit, you know, if you all guys dress up in uniform or just four guys playing 40k, it's crazy. You know, it's just an amazing event. It's one of a kind. So when you're playing the games there, is that all 1v1, or do you so double it's, yeah, it's, up? You have teams of four, and you have four separate 1,000-point lists, and you play with every person on your team in 2v2 matches, and uh, basically your two 1,000-point lists combine to make a normal army, plus you know, the other team's normal army. Ah, so it's like you've got 2,000-point games, basically. Yeah, two 2,000-point yeah, two games happening at once. Cool. Uh, what, just touching on time, which uh, I know we didn't mention before, were they two and a half hours it still? Was, or everything did that was a bit longer uh, three in the hours. Team? Uh, yeah. Oh, 
So I'm assuming everything was fine time. Yeah, everything was fine. Yeah. Lots of time to play. Yeah, I find three hours is just that little bit extra you exactly. need over two. It's hours. like at two fifteen, you're like, let's call turn five our last turn. But three hours is you have forty five minutes left. You're like, oh, we can play till seven. It doesn't matter. Cool. So, would you then recommend Adepticon to anyone? I would. I would. Or... I've always recommended Adepticon. It's awesome. I hope they get a better chance format for next year. Something more. I guess more mainstream is a good way to put it. I personally like that better. But uh, yeah, definitely go to Adepticon. It's awesome. Cool. And uh, just to touch, it is based in Chicago, am I right? Right, right outside. Or is it just on the edge? Ah. ah, cool. So it's near enough to a major city for anyone looking to travel. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I actually went Europe a couple or... days earlier so I could go check out Chicago. Would you recommend doing that? Yeah, well? Chicago. Uh, it was my first time there. It was an awesome city. I loved it. Um, so, yeah, definitely go to Chicago. Cool. Thanks very much for joining us then, Nick. Yeah, Nick and I'm thanks sure. Thanks for having me. I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon after Adlance and Sentstar win the next <laughs> event in America. I'll combine the two. Make one Cooper Army. What has happened to this place? I don't recognize it anymore. It used to be so fun and special. What is life worth living for? The dream is dead. Our land is gone. There's a hole in my heart and I can't go on. There are too many minorities. My water park. My water park. This was our land, our dream, our dream. And they've taken it all away. They just keep coming and coming. Minority. I tried to go and tell the police, but even the authorities are minorities at my water park. I hope you enjoyed that one-off special with Nick Nanavati, three-time Adepticon champion now. Congratulations to you again, sir. Thanks to Matt Robertson for hooking that up. And big thanks once again to Torrent of Fire. Check out torrentoffire.com for great articles, tournament reports, and live stream events as well. We're going to be back very, very soon with a new episode. We're back in the recording swing of things. We have got so much to cover. We've got the Corn Demon Kin. We have got the Adeptus Mechanicus Skitari. Uh, we've got the ETC warm-up, the Six Nations, and loads more stuff besides that as well. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you check out our next episode coming very, very soon. Uh, until then, take care. We've got to change our priorities And get all these minorities Out of my waterfall Minorities Mexicans and Asians Black people I think I even saw Native American grubs God, I'm asking, please Get all of these minorities Out of my waterfall